Smart Politics. This is your political cheat sheet for Monday, July 4th, 2022. Happy Independence Day, Eric Boll, author of Get Smart Politics. <laughs> Thank you very much. It's a very exciting day. We are celebrating the birth of our nation. Uh, let's see, it was 246 years ago today. Seems like just yesterday. <laughs> Something like that. Well... Some people think our nation is burning down around us and maybe shouldn't be celebrated today. Others are very happy to celebrate. So I think we can enter this holiday saying that it's a very divided nation. That is for sure. We've had a lot of divided birthdays before for our country, but this is one of the most divided in the past. Well, in my lifetime, I would say it's one of the most divided I've seen it. Yeah. Um, today is 127 days until the November midterm election and about 28 months until the 2024 presidential election. Um, as we mentioned, there's just been a lot of division in our country, and that's due to our top three storylines, or at least our top two storylines this week. The first one is the Dobbs fallout um, continues to just rip apart Washington. Yeah, and I think that the, this one's going to be a storyline for the rest of this year, to be honest. It's only been a week, uh, I guess about 10 days, since the Dobbs decision came out overturning Roe versus Wade. And what we've really seen a lot from the Democrat side of the aisle is really a lot of frustration with the lack of a response that the Biden administration has seemed to have, but not just them, also some congressional leadership. There's been um, a real frustration coming up from the ranks that it didn't seem like the people in leadership had any plan for what to do. This is even more surprising because of the fact that the draft decision was leaked a couple of months ago. So they pretty much knew exactly what was coming for at least two months and did next to nothing about it. Um, the the big frustration from uh, a lot of people was that the the main response by Speaker Pelosi and by Chuck Schumer was to send out emails, uh, you know, criticizing the decision and and then asking for donations. And instead of pr- proposing to do anything, they were just using it to boost their own fundraising, and that really just ticked a lot of people off, to be honest. But then on the other side of the aisle, um, well, uh, let me back up. So the president then after he heard some of those criticisms, he um, proposed sort of a half-hearted proposal to have an exception for the filibuster um, for, I think he said, for the right to privacy at the Supreme Court, uh, or I'm sorry, for protecting the right to privacy. And that is really just, everyone knew that was kind of a joke. It's dead on arrival because there's no limiting principle there. It's just, I want an exception for the things I like and not for anything else. Well, obviously you're just trying to get rid of the whole thing. And he knew that was dead on arrival. So um, Senator Sinema and Manchin immediately said, yeah, no, that's not gonna happen. I just don't see a road out of this one for really either side. It's really complicated. Yeah, and you mentioned either side. Well, the Republicans have um, had a bit of a frustrating week as well because they got the big victory in Dobbs, but then there's been all this division within the ranks there about, okay, that was great, that's a big win, but now what? And they really are not clear on what the next steps are. Some people wanna ban abortion nationwide. Um, Frankly, I think there's very little political appetite to do that, but you're gonna see a lot of people pushing for that on the right. But then you've got other people trying, like Senator Mitt Romney from Utah, proposing to expand the child uh, tax credit um, to provide more for young families and mothers. Uh, and children to uh, encourage 
um, people to be taken care of and children to be taken care of so that they will be born. Well, there's a lot of people that also don't like that type of proposal for many reasons on the right. So I think we're starting to see those fractures on both sides that we don't know exactly where this is going to end up. The other thing that's been really interesting to watch is the January 6th committee, and this is our number two story. Um, We have sort of a pop culture um, breakthrough here with Cassidy Hutchinson. Um, She's been really popular on like TikTok and Instagram um, for her testimony this week. Um, Tell me who she is. Yeah, so she is a 25-year-old aide who was... um, basically the chief of staff to the chief of staff at the White House. And that might sound crazy that someone that young is in that position, but that's actually pretty normal in Washington. Uh, someone of uh, that's pretty straight out of school worked their way up the ranks really quickly and become a very top aide. She was in the room when a lot of these things on January 6th happened, and um, the nobody knew that she was even going to be testifying until the day before. And they um, made this announcement and everyone's like, who is this? No one's heard of her. But a lot of the people on the inside clearly knew her really well. And she was, there's no dispute, she was in the room for many of these conversations. And um, some of the things that were so explosive that she testified to were that she witnessed the uh, the president telling the Secret Service to get rid of the magnetometers, uh, even though the reason that the magnetometers for his speech outside the outside the White House were there to keep people with weapons out of the speech. Um, he said, I don't care. Get those effing magnetometers out of here. Um, they're not here to hurt me. Now, the real interesting thing is some people are saying, well, he meant they're not here to hurt me. They're here to hurt other people. But the way she said it, it kind of sounded like he was just saying, well, they're not here to hurt me. It really almost depends on where he put the emphasis. Is it they're not here to hurt me or they're not here to hurt me? Um, but... Either way, he was saying he wanted to let people with weapons in to this speech and then take them, lead them down to the Capitol. Um, and then he also, she said that he, she heard about the second hand that after the speech, he got in um, the vehicle to go back to the White House. And he told the Secret Service, no, take me to the effing Capitol. And they said, no, sir, we have to take you back to the West Wing. And allegedly she had heard that he tried to grab the steering wheel and force them to go to the Capitol. So anyway, there's a lot of debate about the veracity of some of those claims, but the point is they were actually new claims and they made it break through. So people started listening and paying attention to what this committee was saying. And that's something the committee has not had so far. It's really just been a more or less recitation of what we already knew. Even still, do you think anyone's minds will be changed by this? I don't really believe they will. I, I'm not a lot. Now, the one thing that has changed is the conversation is really starting to sour, I think, on how um, the president and his team handled January 6th. You have seen some stories, and I've linked to some of them in this week's newsletter, um, about the president, uh, about President Trump starting to consider announcing a re-election campaign uh, to try to change the narrative because he's feeling like this January 6th commission uh, committee hearing a situation has gotten bad and it's starting to make him look bad and make people sort of turn off to wanting to have him back. And he wants to change the narrative and and make it again about him uh, running for the campaign rather than about what he did last time. So clearly some people in his orbit at least are saying that it's making a difference in the, the way that some people are looking at him. Well, we'll see how that plays out. 
Um, also, we have some groundbreaking um, new news in the Supreme Court. A lot of things have been happening in the Supreme Court, but we have a new justice. Yeah, so Justice um, Ketanji Brown-Jackson, she was sworn in at the end of last week. Uh, Justice Stephen Breyer had announced several months ago that he was going to retire at the end of the term. So he retired on Thursday, and then they swore in Justice Jackson. And yes, FYI, I did look that up. That is the way the Supreme Court is referring to her as Justice Jackson, not Justice Brown-Jackson. Um, but Justice Jackson is now the newest member of the court. She's the first black woman to be a member of the court the 116th justice in the history of the court. Um, she went to Harvard for undergrad, went to Harvard for law school. She was a member of the improv troupe and Harvard undergrad, which I think is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, she grew up in Miami. She um, is only 51 years old. And I think pretty much everyone agrees she's a top legal mind. There's really no doubt that she deserves to be on the court. Her resume is really impressive. I hope that you guys will all check it out in the link that um, Eric's provided for us because, I mean, she's very impressive. Even so, she's not going to probably change the vote from how Justice Breyer voted, correct? That's right. So Justice Breyer was one of the three members of the liberal wing it's been described as a 6-3 court some call it a 3-3-3 court but he's part of the liberal three and they generally expect him to be uh, i'm sorry generally expect justice jackson to be about the same judicial temperament as him Um, i included a chart that i've always found interesting uh, that it actually comes from the wikipedia page about the supreme court but it shows the way that the justices have shifted their ideology over time um, I definitely encourage people to look at that a little while because it's really fascinating to see people are not stable over time. Sometimes they come in very conservative and end up very liberal or vice versa. And you really can't predict what a justice is going to do once they get that lifetime appointment. It's totally up to them and they have no pressure um, to get reelected or anything like that. So they can go in the direction they see fit. So we'll have to keep an eye on uh, where she comes down. We have some huge cases already on tap for the fall. The, the court has already announced they're going to take up cases on affirmative action, voting laws, freedom of expression or gay rights, uh, and several more things. So it's going to be a, another blockbuster term. So we'll get to see how she, how she reacts pretty quickly. It's, it's going to be an interesting one. We have so many justices that haven't been on the court for very long. And yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. been Three really Trump. eye-opening to see how everything's working out. Right. Three Trump appointees and now one Biden appointee. So... Almost half the court has just been on the court for less than five years now. So President Biden, um, he is headed to Cleveland on Wednesday to speak about his economic agenda. What do you kind of expect to hear from him? Well, I think that there's no secret that inflation and the economy is weighing heavily on the president right now. He knows that if he doesn't turn this ship around um, or find some way to get, uh, get going in the right direction, His party is in for some pretty bad news uh, this November, so we'll see what he says. So far, he hasn't been able to find a good, consistent voice on how to handle those issues, though. So maybe this is another uh, an effort to relaunch that and really put some focus on what the message is going to be going into November. But right now, they're really struggling to find a, a coherent message. Well, as far as congressional action, we have kind of a slow few weeks here with the holiday, um, the House and the Senate are in recess this week um and then there's not any primaries this week our next primary will be july 19th in maryland yeah so we have a little bit of a lull here and i don't think we're going to see anything this week 
uh, I'm sorry, the the next three or four weeks out of Congress that's going to, you know, completely massively shake up the world of politics. But they're going to try. There's an effort to get um, a reconciliation bill through the through Congress before they go out uh, for that August recess. That's the big thing that's still on tap that we don't know how it's going to shake out. But uh, aside from that, I don't know that we're going to see anything real major. They're already looking to campaign right now, trying to secure their seats for next year. All right. Well, stay safe out there, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us.